What a blessing. Well, the music has been wonderful this morning, hasn't it? Have you enjoyed this today? Well, yes, amen. I have. I have. I like a music ministry that sweats. This is good. You did good today, man. Let's keep it up. What a blessing that is today. And you want to keep this song in mind that she was just singing this morning. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. As we think about this topic this morning, what does God want from me? What does he want from me? This question has been asked many times in many ways. What do you want from me? That can certainly be applied in employer and employee relationships. If the employer gives you something to do and and you don't quite have it all in mind and you're trying to uh, go about it on your own and figure it out and think through it, sometimes it's difficult and oftentimes you mess it up because you don't get it right. And then you have to face the consequences on that. And it's tough that way. It's better to ask questions, clarify, make sure what it is that they want from you. What do you expect? What do you want from me? Today is Teacher Appreciation Day, and it was great to see these folks here and Brother Tommy's prayer for them. What a blessing that was. And as teachers, I know that you always have a goal in mind. There's something that you want to accomplish. It may be to help your pupil to grow in some specific skill or task, something that will help them in life a little bit later on, something they need to know, something they need to remember, uh, something they can apply to the daily life that they're going to be involved with. You always have a goal in mind. It may be that they have better uh, or, great, or more better personal relationships. It may be that uh, you want them to become more Christ-like. And I know in this school, at North Florida Christian School, you want them to become more Christ-like. That's part of what this is all about. My Nathan here for eight years, I know because he went through uh, some of those things and what a blessing it was. I remember when he would go to uh, the Sunday school classes at Fellowship and some of the teachers would ask questions and Nathan was always ready to answer. And finally they said, Nate, let somebody else answer sometimes. And the reason was because he'd been here and part of that. And of course we did Bible study at home as well. But we know that we have a goal in mind. What do we want to do? Teaching that does not have a goal is, <laughs> is it's not going to make it. It's not going to make it. Uh, it won't even know when it comes up short of its objective because it doesn't have an objective. We have something that we want to have happen. I can promise you that preaching always has a goal in mind. Uh, and, and, and preaching is teaching. One of my former pastors used to say, Doyle, preaching that's not teaching is just hollering. And I remember that. And I try to keep that in mind. We want something to happen in our lives because of time spent here together. And so we might well ask the question, what does God want from me? I can promise you he won't be angry if you ask that question from your heart, a heart that wants to know, Lord, what would you have me to do? What do you want from me? If we ask that question, he won't be angry with us. He's ready to give us some answers. He's the epitome of a teacher. He's the one we all want to emulate. One of his favorite titles was teacher. And so he was 
that teacher. I want us to read this text together today. If you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, let's just read that together, and then we'll come back and look at two or three points there and grab a couple of things right out of this text as we unpack it that we can ask God, Lord, what do you want from me? And he's going to give us some answers today. In Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. What an amazing passage of Scripture. What does God expect from us? Notice, first of all, that Paul is addressing people who are born-again believers when he says this, to the saints who are at Ephesus. To the saints who are Ephesus. Saints. People who have been born again. They're separated. They're set apart for glory to God. We are saints. Did you know that all of us who are born again believers could be called saints? Because that's who we are. Set apart to be a glory to God. You are saints. So you could look at each other and say, well, Saint Larry. How about that? Saint Tommy. That'll work. We can go with that. Would you like that? St. Tom, working down there. What a blessing. Saints in Christ. And he said, that's who I'm talking to. And so he's talking to us. Notice that God planned outreach to people from the very first of his planning for the world. And we've talked about this sometime before. When it says, just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. God planned outreach to men. And so he says, I want to... I want to set you apart for me, and I'm going about the task of bringing you to myself. And then looking just a little bit further, it says that He has blessed us believers, being a blessed people, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. What a blessing that is. That's great. I like it. We all like to be blessed. We like to think we're a blessed people. But is God's plan for us just simply... To be blessed. To be blessed. I like this Greek word here, blessed, eulogesis, when it says something like this. Basically, it means to cause to prosper or to be happy. Now, we all want to prosper. We all want to be happy. I like that. You like that. We want that. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us. But notice that he says also that it is spiritual blessing. He wants us to become a part of the greatest enterprise known to man, the kingdom work of God, the cause of Christ. What can we do to be better at that? What does God want from us in this kingdom work, in this cause for Christ, this great enterprise? So much could be said on that, and we talk about that all along in church, and we know that. But today I want us to grab two things out of this passage that I believe God is saying, I want from you. One thing he wants from us is that we would be holy. Holy. Did you notice what he said here? That we would be holy people. 
want you to be holy. That word holy is to be separated from sin and consecrated to God. It's like two sides of the same coin. On this side, we're separated from sin. That means we don't want it in our life anymore. That's what put Jesus on the cross. I don't want to be guilty of that anymore of the body and blood of Christ. Sin, I want it out of my life. And on the flip side of that coin, which is all the same thing, you could put either side, and it pretty much works together, is to be consecrated to God. Holy, separated from sin, consecrated to serve the living God. That's what He wants from us. When a person commits his life to Christ or her life to Christ, we have a new attitude about sin. We don't want it anymore. We have a new attitude about our walk with the Lord. We want our life to really count for Him. And that's what it means to be that. Now, I know some people may be thinking, uh, what about this holiness? Holiness doesn't sound like something that would make someone want to come to Christ. Holiness. Actually, it's not holiness that's a problem. For too many, it's holier than thouness that becomes a problem. We look around and say, boy, I've got it, and you folks don't have it. And uh, we stick our thumbs in our lapel and say, look at me. Look at me, man, I've got it, you don't. And you're down there somewhere, and I'm up here. That's not the case at all. Holiness is something that is positive. Holiness is something that is wholesome. Holiness is something that's really good. It represents positive change in our life. It represents a wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, a wholeness in our life. We are now being fulfilled because of the presence of God in us. We don't want that sin there. We won't be consecrated to God. And so we want to live a life that is whole and holy before the Lord. That's positive. That puts a smile on your face. That puts a spring in your step. That makes you want to go and get up and do life today. It gets you out of bed where you can say, you know what? I don't know what's going on today, but I know God knows. And I'm going to go with him. And life's going to be okay today because he is in it. And we're going to make it through. Is it always a happy day? Is it always a fun day? No, it's not. June 26, 2013, was home for lunch. Had my lunch there. My wife and I sat there, Nathan, and we had lunch together before I got back to the church. My wife called and said, Nate said he's really having trouble with his chest and feels like he needs an x-ray. I said, well, throw him in the van, come by, I'll go with you. We took him in the hospital there. His heart rate was 180-something. Blood pressure was almost nothing. They did all that they could for a few days. And then he went to be with the Lord. His victory's complete. Was that a fun day for us? No. But was it a good day knowing that God was there and will take you through? Yes, it is. Thank you, Lord, for those kinds of things. Positive change. Wholeness. There are people all around us, all around us who are looking for positive change, something that will give them wholeness in their broken lives. We need that. What does holiness do for us? One thing, holiness helps us to see people as Jesus sees them. See them like Jesus sees them. We need people to see Jesus uh, in us. We need for people to see Jesus as we've come to know Him. We want people to come to Him in their need for acceptance, their need for love and healing and hope. We need to see people as Jesus saw so that we can do something for them. There's some facts, I think, that will refresh our thinking on brokenness. 
by a lot of people in our culture. It's from a book, No Perfect People Allowed. James Burke, or John Burke, rather, read this. Pages 44 and 45, I've read excerpts from his book. And uh, just a few notes from his book, For the Average Person Under 40. Now, this was written, you know, just a few years ago, not too many. But for the average person under age 40, one or maybe two out of six women you talk to will have been sexually molested. Wow. We look around. Most men will have struggled with pornography or some serious problems with lust. Look in the news. It's all over the place. One in five to ten people will struggle with substance abuse. Substance abuse. When we talk about substance abuse, oftentimes we're thinking about drugs and what all that does. Did you know the most abused drug in this world today is alcohol? The most abused drug in this world today is alcohol. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of brokenness in our culture and what we see, and it breaks our hearts. We look at the news and, and look at Tallahassee. What are we, our percentage is highest in the state in violent crime in Tallahassee? Our world is broken. They need to see in us the holiness of God, a wholeness, a difference. And hopefully they'll look at us and go, there is something different as we can make an impact in our world for our Lord being that. What else does hope, holiness do? Helps us to overcome the weakness of our humanness. You see, we all have that weakness of humanness inside of our lives, and we make mistakes, and, and we blow it up real good sometimes. And sometimes when I'm talking to the Lord, I'll say, Lord, I've got to have your help in this, because if you leave it up to me, I'll blow it up real good. And I don't want to do that. I have to have your help. Would you please give me help today? And the Lord does that. He gives us power to combat the weakness of our fallen human nature and condition that we find ourselves in. He supplies us with the capacity to come back from that and get to where we need to be in the Lord. I like the story of the young shipbuilder who was helping build boats and Pastor F.E. Marsh tells this story how he'd been preaching on, on what it means to be holy and right before God and and he said, after that message, a young man came to him and said, and said I work down at this boat factory. And, and he said, we build boats down there. And, and he said, you know, we have a lot of equipment. He said, I wanted to build a boat on my, on my own on the side. And so I started taking some of those copper nails that we use to build boats. Google that. It's kind of interesting to see how copper nails have been used in boat building through the years. But he said, I begin to swipe some of those, just take a few of those copper nails, take them home. And, and my rationalization was, well, the owner's got plenty of these things. Not a problem. Not a problem. But he said, your message really got to my heart today. And I started, and those nails started sticking in my heart. And I've been taken from this guy. But I can't go to him. He knows that I go to church. He knows I'm a Christian. And and he'll just think I'm a big hypocrite if I go and confess this stuff. What do I do? Holy Spirit kept working. And, and then a little while later, he finally couldn't take it anymore. And he went and told the man about it. And he came back and told his pastor, I finally confessed. pastor said, well, how did it work? And he said, well, the man looked at me and he said, you know, all these, all this time you've been working for me, I knew you went down there. And he said, I just 
thought there wasn't anything to this thing much. But he said, anything that will make you come and confess something like to me, like that to me, must be something in it. And he says, now I want to know a little bit more about what this means. Oh, what can God do when we just say, Lord, here it is. You take my life. Help me to see people like you see them. And Lord, help me in this brokenness in my own life, this weakness in my humanness. God, will you help me to overcome that and just move on forward? I get texts on Sunday mornings on my phone from a guy named Dennis Damaris. Dennis was the head of the Florida Men of Integrity for some time, and now he's leading another group, but he sends a text to pastors all over this state. I get one every Sunday morning. I send a text to three or four of my preacher friends every Sunday morning. Just say, folks, we're praying for you. I get texts from them that we're praying for each other. Today I'm preaching on holiness. I've been preparing this this week and, and trying to put things together. And, and this morning when my text came from Dennis Damaris, you wouldn't believe what was in it. Let me read Dennis's text from this morning, Brother Larry. A quote from Leonard Ravenhill. The greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make that man holy, put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. Oh, when I read that, I said, thank you, God, for the confirmation of what we're doing here today. What does God want from me? He wants me to be holy. Make a difference in this world. Just as the believers at Ephesus were saints, we too are saints of God, blessed with spiritual blessings, holy. But there's another matter that we need to see in the passage, and you know what it is. It's to be blameless. That we would be holy and blameless in this world. Blameless. That's a word that's used to describe the faultless, sinless, perfect Lamb of God. Jesus, blameless, holy, and no fault in Him at all. He is the pure holiness in all of its essence. He is pure love in all of its essence. He is pure righteousness in all of its essence. He is absolute power. There's nothing that can curb His power. That's an encouragement to us that we have that one as our Savior who is all these things and can be all that to us. And uh, then Paul says, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that we are to be blameless. You go, wow, that's, that sets the bar high, preacher. What do I, how do I attain to that? In his letter to the Ephesians a little later on, he says, till we attain to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. It certainly isn't the preacher. It certainly isn't our teachers. They're, they're good. The goal is, is Christ, to be more like Him and be what He would have us to be. That's a high expectations. Genesis 6, 9 reminds us that Noah was blameless in his day. I like this story of David in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty four. He said that he was blameless before the Lord. Now you and I know some of David's history. Remember Bathsheba? Here's this man who was 
guilty of adultery another man's wife and then through that process had that man put on the front lines where he was sure he would be killed. So what it amounted to was David was responsible for adultery with another man's wife and then basically murder having that man uh, put on the front lines of battle. Blameless, we want to say. Can you say blameless about this man? A little bit further on in that passage, uh, David says that the Lord is blameless in his way and that he, God, sets the blameless in his, God's way. In God's way. God is blameless and he sets us to be blameless before him. How in the world can that happen? It is God who makes us righteous when we trust Him. It is God who sets us in His way. It is God who makes us blameless. What is our part in this whole thing? Our part is to present ourselves hopeless before the blood of Christ. Lord, I am hopeless before You. No power to save myself. No power to be what You would have me to be. But Lord, I want to put myself at Your disposal today. Take my life. Make me what you would have me to be and be glorified in me. And then God takes that unholy one out of an unholy world, makes us holy, sets us before him and sets us in his way to be blameless before him. Wow. Lord, I see my sin. I repent and I turn from it. Now will you help me to be what you would have me to be. I love the story of Martin Luther, and I don't know that everything that's been said about Martin Luther is absolutely true. A lot of stories get told about these people. So I don't know if this is an actual uh, story or not, but it makes a great illustration. Story told that Martin Luther was having a dream, and, and his house was a mess, and he was going around trying to clean up the house and, and get it all set because he looked out the door. And there comes Jesus up the walk coming to the house. And he's looking at the house and it's a mess and, and he knows Jesus is about to come in and he wants to get this thing all cleaned up so that when Jesus gets there, he's, he, he comes into a nice clean house. But the more he tried to clean it up, the greater the mess became. Sound like a nightmare to me. But he was having this dream and he just couldn't do it and Jesus is at the door and he finally... oh he, throws it open, sees him through the window, throws it open the door. And Jesus comes in and he's feeling really bad about things. But as he invites him to come over and sits down, the house is absolutely spotless, clean. And the whole idea of the story is this, folks. You can't clean up the mess of your life and then bring it to the Lord. You bring the whole filthy mess and put it before the Lord and let Him clean it up. And He can do it. He can do it. And He says, just come out from among them. Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Be holy. Be separated. Separated from sin. Consecrated to God to serve Him. And I will set the blameless in His way. And I'll make things right for you if you'll just trust in me. In Romans chapter 6, I love this passage. I have it for you there. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. 
What a blessing. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Stop right there for just a second. When he died there, he died once for all sin and he's never to die again. When we trust Christ as our Savior from sin and say, Lord, here's my life. You take it. Do what you will with it. And then our life is gone. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, Paul says. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. We never have to die to that again. It's done. He now has given us eternal life. And then die daily we are to the sin that's around us so that we can be holy and blameless before God. Lord, would you help me today? What do you want from me? I want you to be holy and blameless. Lord, I have a struggle with that. I'm a human. He said, I know that. That's why I'm here to help you through it. To help you through it. Have a great relationship with the living God and help others to see that and have a relationship with us as well. And here we go. And we'll be the people of God. Picking it back up. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a blessing that is from God. Now, what does God want from me? First of all, he wants, just wants you. <laughs> he just wants me, wants us. He says, what I want from you, I want you to give me yourself. Trust me. I came, lived sinless life, blameless, died for your sin so that you might be forgiven and then rose again from the dead to give you eternal life. Life with me that begins the moment you trust me and goes on forever. The very God of the universe. That's what I want. I want you. I want you. And then I want you to walk with me, holy, blameless, daily, worshiping daily, Brother Larry. Let our life be a worship to God every day. Would you like to be his? You can be. I close with this story of the ship's mate who was talking to a chaplain, and he said, Chaplain, I don't see how you can keep talking to all these men on this ship about, about Jesus. Have you ever seen Jesus? Chaplain said, no. No, I haven't seen him. Well, how do you keep talking about somebody that you've never seen? How can, you, how can you profess something like this when you've never even seen the man you're talking about? Chaplain turned it around. He said, well, what about you? He said, you pull into a place, maybe there's a storm, you pull over to a place where you can throw down your anchor and, 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 and be safe there in some little harbor somewhere. How can you throw that anchor out on ground that you've never seen? I know what that means. Our ship pulled, we left Gitmo, Cuba and pulled into Montego Bay, Jamaica. Aircraft carriers don't fit in the harbor at Montego Bay. 
So we anchored out there a little ways. We'd throw the anchor out, ready to go on Liberty, and the ship just drag it back out to sea. We'd crank the boat up, bring it back up, throw that big anchor out, and drag it back out to sea. Took about three or four times before they found a chunk of something big enough to hold that ship. How can you throw it out someplace where you've never seen the ground? Ship's mate said, well, I have charts that I go by. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. Chapman says, I have a chart. I have a chart. And that chart assures me that the only sure salvation is in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I put my faith in Him. And man, that anchor holds. And it will hold. Yours may slip and drag back out. But mine will never slip because of the very promise of the living God. I have a chart. And I have a Savior. And He's Christ. And that's how it is. Would you like to have him? Do you want him? You can have him. You throw your life on him and say, Lord, here it is. Take it. Do with it what you will. And guess what? He can hold you up through anything life hands to you. He can strengthen you and see you through the bad days, beautiful days. He's rare with you and he sees you through.